much. Uh, let me make mention that, uh, pray for Brother Dale Handridge. He has been suffering from what appears to be serious sinus issues, so much so that uh, your mom just brought him to the emergency. He's at the emergency room in Grayling right now. So, I mean, that's bad sinus when you ask your wife to take you to the emergency room. So pray for Dale that they'll be able to uh, figure out what's going on and get him some uh, relief very soon. And then uh, Sue Chartier told me this morning that Barb Gould is back in the hospital over in Grayling as well, that she had fallen. And I don't think she broke anything, but she, she hurt herself. So she's over at the hospital in Grayling. So remember those folks in, in your prayer. This afternoon's message is entitled Self-Awareness, the Key to Personal Growth and Spiritual Maturity. <clears throat> Not too long ago, my wife and two other people in the church conveyed to me that I hadn't been myself, that I had appeared stressed. And I thought, no. I think we tend to want to be defensive about things. And they said, oh, no. For a few months, you hadn't been yourself. Then I got to thinking, our remodeling started in January. (laughs) Okay, yeah, maybe so. I take them at their word, because these are people that I know care about me. But sometimes, we don't want to know the truth. The truth hurts us. Without me taking them at their word, because I honestly hadn't no, I, I said, I said are, you, are you serious? I said, I, 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 you know, I don't know that I've been any different, acted any different, been any different. And maybe some of you right now are thinking, oh, yeah, we've noticed it too. Maybe a lot of you, no, I hadn't noticed anything. Because, again, you're not, you, you don't have the privilege of being around me that much. But that's a joke. That's a joke. Um, so I, I don't know, but that, I just use this as an illustration. It's the perfect illustration for what I'm talking about this afternoon. Now, if I blow them off and say, you guys are crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. I know me. I know me better than anybody, you know, and I haven't been stressed. I haven't, you know, I've been myself. I've been my usual jovial, warm and fuzzy self. I'd have been lying to myself. But I know people, you, run getting, you risk getting your head chewed off if you're honest with them. You ever met anybody like that? You tell them the truth, they're going to they, bite your head off. You're the person we're talking about today. You're the one lacking what I'm going to call self-awareness. And you say, well, that's not a Bible terminology. That, that's not in the Bible. Oh, I'm going to prove you so wrong. <laughs> I'm going to show how wrong you are. Yeah, no, maybe that terminology, granted. That terminology, you know, you're not going to find the term self-awareness, you know, in the Bible. But you will fi- find many other terms that mean that in the Bible. What got me thinking about this was one of my morning devotions not too long ago. And I turned that morning to Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 8. And it says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. And I pondered that verse. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. 
but the folly of fools is deceit. That verse right there teaches us an all-important principle. To be prudent, you must have an accurate understanding of who you are and why you do what you do. Whereas a fool is living a life of self-deceit. A fool, according to this verse, doesn't have an accurate understanding of who he or she is and why he or she does what they do. Years ago, the old building, back behind Family Fair, years, 20, 21, 22 years ago, I was dealing with a family who hasn't been in our church in 18 or 19 years, I suppose. The vast majority of you would have, if I called them by name, you, the vast majority of you wouldn't know them. They exited years ago. But I was working with them at the time and appreciated the family. And The daughter was struggling with something. She was a young adult, probably in her 20s, young adult lady. And I made the mistake one day of commenting. I said something that everybody that knew her and her dad would have agreed with 100%. I made the mistake of telling her, you're just like your dad. Oh, man. Almost got my head bit off. This, this was a young lady at that time who did not want to understand her way. Because I and everybody else that knew her and her dad knew that they were just alike. She didn't want to hear it. And I believe, therefore, violated what is taught here in this verse and created more drama for her than what she really needed. I have a couple of quotes here to start us off. The first one says, there is a great difference. This is commenting on that verse. There's a great difference between wise men and fools. Wise men take nothing for granted. They carefully examine and prove all things. They make sure they know what they should be doing, the risk involved, and the means to accomplish them. They understand their way. They are not deceived. They have a godly plan, and they execute it. On the other hand, fools live foolishly. Again, this is commenting on that verse. It says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools live foolishly. Their folly is due to their deceived minds. They make choices by instinct, lust, by tradition, habit, by peer pressure, fear, by self-help books, self-love, by trial and error, chance, and by education, worldly wisdom. Life happens to them. They do not understand life or the right way to live. They deceive themselves into folly. We all know people like that. We know people that that describes. But it doesn't have to be that way, and it certainly doesn't have to be that way for you. For a man to understand himself, for a man to be prudent, for a man not to be a fool, he must have what we're calling today self-awareness. If you look up self-awareness, it shows that it's a noun, 
And it means conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. It's a conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. And you might say, well, isn't that just a given? Everybody would have self-awareness. Absolutely not. Otherwise, this wouldn't have had to have been even stated in Proverbs. It's a command in Proverbs because we might not do it. In a Christian context, self-awareness would also certainly include one's relationship and fellowship with God. I like this quote. In a Christian context, self-awareness is expressed in the terms examine yourself, judge yourself, consider your ways. So I said a while ago, the concept of self-awareness is certainly in Scripture. The, The actual term is not in Scripture, but these terms are. Examine yourself. That's in Scripture. Judge yourself. That's in Scripture. Consider your ways. That's in Scripture. That, that's the Lord telling you and me, you consider, you judge, you examine. You have self-introspection. You have self-awareness. Let me give you just three examples from Scripture of what we're talking about. Biblical examples of self-awareness. Number one is 2 Corinthians 13.5. This is in addition to the verse we've already looked at. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible says, Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. He says there very clearly, examine yourselves. In fact, before we observe the Lord's Supper, what does the Bible say we're to do? Examine ourselves. In other words, you may have problems you're not aware of, and you need to be aware of them. You may have weaknesses that you're not aware of, but you need to be aware of them. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's in the reference to the Lord's Supper right there. Judge yourselves that you be not judged. You judge yourself. And there are some people incapable of doing that. In fact, through the years, there's been people that I've met with and I've tried to be honest with them. I've tried to help them become aware of difficulties in their lives only for them to lash out. In anger, and I'm talking about others than that first example. In fact, there's, there's, there's some people I know, not, not in this church, but there's some people I've dealt with through the years, that if they came to me, I'm going to be... The Bible says rebuke a fool and he'll hate you more. I've tried it. I had this one person one time say, be honest with me, tell me. And I told them, and man, oh man, didn't appreciate it at all. Haggai 1.5 says, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Self-awareness, or judging yourself, or considering your ways, or examine yourself, however you want to phrase it, that is important. And there's a very real reason why that is so important. And it's on the screen behind me. Self-improvement is impossible without self-awareness. Dr. Phil, say what you will about him, good or bad, one statement he makes is true. You cannot change what you will not acknowledge. That's a statement of fact. And some people are stuck in their Christian lives at a low level of maturity and then end up getting frustrated because they don't want to be aware of themselves. 
They don't want to face their own weaknesses, sins, shortcomings, backslidden condition. It just makes them mad. But it's critical that we develop in us the ability to consider our ways, to judge ourselves, to examine ourselves. And why is that so important? Why is it important if you struggle in this area? And I I would probably believe most of you don't struggle in this area. Maybe you have a family friend that does. You know, now that we have this online, you can direct them to this message. It'll be online, you know, shortly after the service. Right, Brother Tom? It doesn't take, doesn't take very long. And you can have them go listen to it, but, you know, you might risk getting your head bit off. And that's just, that's one of the frustration things about preaching a message like this is because oftentimes the people that are guilty are so guilty, they don't want to hear it. But we'll preach it anyway. There's reasons why that you should... Make sure that you have the ability to be self-aware. Number one, self-awareness helps you to properly identify your strengths and your weaknesses. Self-awareness helps you to properly identify your strengths and your weaknesses. And you need to be aware of your strengths. You need to be aware of your weaknesses. That's why the Lord says judge yourself, examine yourself. Consider your ways. Number two, self-awareness puts you in position to make positive changes. Again, you cannot change what you will not acknowledge. And then number three, self-awareness allows for personal growth and development and puts you in a position to be blessed of God. And that's what we want. This quote says, essentially, the more you pay attention to your emotions and how you work, the better you'll understand why you do the things you do. The more you know about your own habits, the easier it is to improve on those habits. Self-awareness, I said, sometimes it's kind of foreboding to preach on it because, you know, certain people, certain people are resistant to that. You say, how can that be? Well, the Bible acknowledges that. Look at a couple verses that share with you and I the challenge that comes to being willing to admit, I got a problem. I got an issue here. I got an area I need to work on. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it has to do with my upbringing. Maybe it has to do with sin in my life. But there's got to be a willingness to do that. And sometimes we are reluctant. And the Bible acknowledges that. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 2. It says, Bear ye one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. You would think it's impossible to deceive yourself, but the Bible acknowledges we do. Sometimes intentionally, I don't want to hear it, or sometimes just out of pride, pride, I don't want to acknowledge it. But there are people that have a real problem. It It says, if a man think of himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Don't we know of people that think they're really something and nobody really respects them? Behind your back, they might even be laughed at or even made fun of. I'm not saying that's right, but that could be reality. Romans 12, verse number 3 says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. There is another warning of self-deception. Of people not being able to be self-aware. A couple quotes here. We often get angry when someone deceives us. You don't take the danger of deceiving ourselves as seriously as we should. 
It is a serious and terrible thing to deceive yourself. He deceives himself, but he cannot deceive either God or man. It is a fatal delusion while it lasts, for it stands in the way of all improvement. He lives, listen to this phrase, he lives in a fool's paradise. People that are so proud that they can't stand to hear that they got a problem. They can't stand to acknowledge that they've got a shortcoming. I don't know a better way to describe it than the way this person describes it. They are living in a fool's paradise. And to me, there's a lot of horrible language out there. There's a lot of terrible cuss words and four-letter words. But I think the worst thing a person could be called is a fool. That is, if, if a person, a fool is somebody that can't connect the dots. A, a fool is somebody that can't, understand the relationship between cause and effect. They put their hand on the hot burner and it burns. And two minutes later, they're putting their hand on the hot burner again. They get drunk on this weekend and get beat up. And the next weekend, they get drunk and they get beat up. They don't, they, they can't, you, know, say, you, ever, you ever stop to think if you quit getting drunk, you wouldn't get beat up? And they go back and do it. That would be in my estimation, what the Bible describes as a fool. That's the last thing you want to be, is somebody that cannot make the connection between cause and effect. We run the risk of overestimating ourselves. We run the risk, too, sometimes of underestimating ourselves. Oh, I'm nothing. I'm, I'm just feeble. I'm just weak. I have no abilities. I, I have no, you know, no capabilities. Woe is me. And you're wallowing in self-pity and loving everybody that will show you some self-pity. There's a balance to getting it right. There's a danger of overestimating yourself or under, underestimating yourself. Another quote, the opposite of self-awareness is self-denial. I'm sure you've run into a lot of people who live in self-denial. They refuse to face reality. They live in a fantasy world. They are extremely naive and typically either grossly overestimate or underestimate their gifts and talents and what genuinely accounts for who they are and what they do. You know, think about the Bible. Peter was very braggadocious as one of the apostles. I mean, I can do it. He had to be humbled. Yeah, he got out and walked on the water, and then he started sinking. I, that humbled him. The night he was sitting in front of the fire warming his hands, and they said, you're, you know, you're one of them. He said, no, I'm, I'm not. You know, I mean, he was humble big time. So you had a man that was very braggadocious. You got a man like Timothy. We were looking at him this morning. Paul saying, come on, Timothy, you can do it. You can do it. There's an example of, um, of an individual that overestimates himself. There's an individual that underestimates himself. What we want to have is God's estimation of us. That, that's how you get it right. How does, how do you, how does God see you? When, when you look at how God sees you, then, then you got it right. Because you and I, if we're just examining ourselves without our relationship with him, we're liable to get it wrong, either overestimating or underestimating. So we ask the question, if I'm lacking self-awareness, how can I develop self-awareness? That, that's the heart of the matter. So let me just give you a few points. It won't take long. We'll be done here. How can you develop self-awareness? Number one. Conduct a personal self-inventory. There's Bible precedence for that. 
1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Start off by conducting a personal self-inventory. Get along, get alone, and just consider your life. Consider why people are frustrated with you, if that's the case. And oftentimes, a person that overestimates himself or underestimates himself has relational problems with people. And if you say, nobody understands me or nobody likes me or whatever, consider yourself. Judge yourself. Examine yourself. Have that, as best you can do it, an objective inventory of self. And be willing to call it like it is. Number two, pray for God to reveal your weaknesses. What David did, Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The psalmist was aware that he might not get it. He might not get it right. So he prays and he says, Search me, O God. Because sometimes it is possible for us to be blinded to our own faults. And like I mentioned, you know, my wife and two other people told me recently, and, and they, these are people that care about me. I mean, I didn't see, I honestly, did, I, I, I told you, I said, really? She said, oh, yeah. She said, remember when you threw that chair through the plate glass window the other night? <laughs> no, I didn't get that bad. Didn't get that bad. But you know what? You want to, wait, I'm the preacher, I, 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 I can't be stressed. I, I can't, you know, I, I, I got to always be on my game. And that, that can't be, and you don't want to acknowledge that. You, you don't, we, our pride doesn't want us to acknowledge that. But you know what? If they said it, it's true. And the good news, we've removed all glass windows from our house, so that should never happen again that I, no, I really did, not even, didn't even come close. Did I, Sharon? Or did I? No, didn't. So, but pray. Because we tend to be proud. We, 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 because we see those, as, those things as weaknesses. Well, folks, we're all, we all got weaknesses. Who, who in this room doesn't have a weakness or a shortcoming? This pastor sure does. But I tell you this, being aware of it, I have taken steps. I'm not coming to work for the next six months. <laughs> Jamie's liking that, huh? or not liking it, one or the other. Yeah, <laughs> man, there's good and bad there. <laughs> so, you know, but, you know, I appreciate them telling me that. Number three, I'm giving you practical steps now. Number three, read your Bible faithfully. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Backslidden, proud people stay as far away from their Bible reading as they possibly can. They'll come up with every excuse in the world because they don't want their shortcomings exposed. 
And again, pride is at the heart of it. I, I hate to acknowledge that I, I, I didn't handle that right. Or I'm not handling a certain situation right. Or it's demonstrating a lack of faith. But this says God's word, reading it, studying it, it, is a discern- it will expose the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And that's a good thing. That will put you on the path to victory. So, so that someday, symbolically, you could write the book on how I got victory over me, my flesh, and my weaknesses. Number four, be under the influence of men of God. Be under the influence of men of God. Be in church every time the doors are open. Why? Ephesians 4, 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Can I emphasize the first phrase in verse number 12? For the perfecting of the saints. We, we are weak we sometimes have a low self-awareness IQ. The perfecting of the saints helps us to develop that, help us to be the kind of Christian that we ought to be, help, helps us to obey uh, Proverbs fourteen eight that says the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. That, that is my job to, to stir you up, to make you think, to step on your toes. Yeah, I'm supposed to be an encourager too, and I certainly want to be that. But a well-rounded church, there's going to be messages of encouragement, hopefully this morning, last week. But then messages where I'm stepping on your toes, not because I want to make you mad and run you off. That's the last thing I want to do, but I want to help you. So he says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. And then lastly... The one that might be the most difficult? Ask the opinion of friends. Do you have the courage? Well, let's just lay it out there. Do you have the guts to go to your spouse and say, tell me where I'm failing? Tell me my weaknesses. Tell me where I need to improve. Tell me where I've hurt you. Tell me where I've been insensitive. Tell me where I have been selfish. Do you have the guts to do that? I really didn't like hearing Sharon say, yeah, you haven't been yourself. That's not what I wanted to hear. What I wanted to hear was Darla to Alfalfa. Oh, Alfalfa, you're the greatest. That's what I wanted to hear, but I didn't hear Darla tell Alfalfa that he was the greatest. She said, yeah, you you haven't been yourself. And it wasn't fun to hear because I could perceive that as weakness or failing her, failing the church or failing. But no, I want to thank God. And I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm, I'm just acknowledging my own sins and my own weaknesses. But with God's help, I'm acknowledging that, okay, her and two other people, hmm, probably more out there, but three is enough. And I've taken steps, taken action. 
I, I, I told Sharon that I, I want to write the book, I and mean, not literally write the book, but figuratively, I want to write the book on how I overcame. What's the technical term for it, Sharon? Doctor used uh, hypertension. Stress. Don't know. Not stress. Hypertension. <laughs> stress is for wimps. <laughs> stress. I mean, hypertension. That's something to be proud of. I have hypertension. <laughs> I'm going to catch it for this. I'm going to catch it, but I'm going to... Sharon, you know where I'm going, don't you? And you're going to tell me, don't go there. I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) One of the best ways to relieve hypertension or stress, hydrotherapy. Sharon says, I've been taking bubble baths. Those are not bubble baths. It is hydrotherapy. There's a huge difference. <laughs> when we remodel the house, we put in this jet tub. And that is the coolest thing in the world. So I am, I'm taking steps to be the kind of husband she can be proud of. And Jamie, it is, don't you come around. Don't, I do not want... I don't want bubble bath soap for Christmas, okay? <laughs> I do not want bubble bath soap for Christmas. No, you can't. You are part of the stress. What are you talking about? It's not bubble baths, folks. If you have a jet tub, use it. It is hydrotherapy. Do yourself a favor and ask those who know you best, and they love you. Ask them, how am I doing? Sometimes they're afraid to because they don't want to get their heads bit off. And you're just stressing yourself and them. And really, there are steps you can take. I'm, I'm joking about that. But th- that really is one of the things. I'm not a bubble bath, but it, it is relaxing. And I'm doing other things. Exercising, eating right. Uh, I, you know, and just taking a deep breath. And the ministry and, and the house renovation was, I guess it was more than what I realized. And I really didn't, I wasn't really aware of it. And I, I appreciate Sharon and those other two being honest with me. So number five might be the toughest one of all, but might be the sharpest one of all. Somebody that knows you best and loves you. If you got the guts to ask them. And then you, you can put a plan into action. Because you know what? A lot of that can kill you, literally kill you. Can I see some head shaking? I mean, you, you do that long enough. You, you maintain stress or hyper, whatever you want to call it. And I, I went to see a doctor the other day, and he told me, he said, he said, this is one of the biggest problems that I see most often. He says, people with all these symptoms, and he said, what it is, it's stress. Or the technical phrase really is hypertension. But there are things you can do. That's the, that's the good news. You know, it's, it's hard acknowledging, okay, I got a problem, and I haven't been myself, and I'm hurting people around me. But the good news is there are things you can do. And, and I'm feeling better already. I, I really, I'm feeling much better. I got a handle on it. I know what's going on. I know what I need to do. And, um, you, know, and you can do that too. And it's, it's not rocket science to, to get victory over it. Proverbs 14.8. Now, does this make more sense to you? The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. 
But the folly of fools is deceit. We read verses where it talks about people deceiving themselves. I don't mean this to sound ugly, but if you're deceiving yourself, that puts you in the same category with a fool. You don't want to be a fool. And whatever problems you're facing along these lines with people that love you, with a church family, and with the God above, you can get victory. You can get victory. This last quote. This last quote is a great quote. The path of sin is much more easily avoided than relinquished. We can far more easily keep out of the course of the stream than stem the torrent. Will you think about that just for a second? We're done. What that is saying is, don't get in the stream. When you get in the stream, then stopping it is much harder than just not getting in to begin with. The issues that you may be dealing with in your life that you're not acknowledging is going to get you in the stream. And once you're in the stream, it's a whole lot harder to get out than to never get in there to begin with. So, key to all of that is self-awareness. Or better stated, considering your ways, judging yourself, examine yourself. You don't like the term self-awareness? Sounds too much psychobabble? Not a problem. Let's just call, call it judging yourself. Can, have you done that recently? Everybody's judging me. Oh, okay, have you judged yourself? Have you had an alone time with God where you have examined yourself? Have you gotten away for the express purpose of considering your ways? Is what I'm doing smart or not smart? Self-awareness may not be stated per se in Scripture, but in other forms it is clearly stated. And again, let's end it on a positive note. There is something you can do about it. Whatever you're dealing with, there is something that you can do about it. And probably you on your own can take the steps that, that you need. Certainly, your spouse loves you and would help you. Friends would love and help you. I will. Jamie will. But you've got to first acknowledge it. You cannot change what you will not acknowledge. And a lot of us have problems acknowledging the reality of our own lives. But it'll do you and those that care about you so much good when you can just own up to it. Say, you know what? You're right. I, I, I need God's help. I need to make some changes. And you can. And you, your family, your friends, the cause of Christ will be better off for it. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.